0: Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. So with that being said, if you have your Bibles, now I'm gonna be a little bit of everywhere, but if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 12, whether that be on your phone, on a tablet, or on a paper that you have, paperback. But I'm gonna go through a lot of stuff before we get to that point. But here's what I want you to understand. Be careful with the questions you ask because they will determine the answers in which you seek. And one of the questions that we ask on a regular basis is when is Jesus coming back? And my question that I would tell you is what if there was this issue that you're asking a question that there's no answer to? Like today's a little bit different because we are standing in this paradigm that's extremely tough. Now I need you to listen to this whole thing because if not, You're going to take something I did not say, and you're going to end up thinking that I said something that I didn't. You need to understand when it comes to godly attributes and godly things, there is a flaw from the very beginning when we start seeking the answers. The flaw is, is that you are sitting in a paradigm called the world, and though we have God's word, and it's the inerrant word of God, and we can stand on that, and it is truth, do you realize that the English language is flawed to describe godly attributes? What I mean by that is there's no way, there's no words that we have in our language to describe some of the characteristics of God. There are some things that we really struggle with. For example, well, God is love. Really? I mean, like, well, he's infinitely love. Really? Well, he's omnipresent. He's, really? Really? Like like we don't have a language to describe some of the characteristics of God and to understand his premises. That's the reason why scripture is very clear. Where it says his ways are higher than our ways. His knowledge is higher than our knowledge. He knows more than you. Here's a little caveat. Find some freedom. That's why he's God. Do you know the reason why Adam and Eve fell in the garden? You know what they were deceived by? Well, He doesn't want you to eat of this tree because the day you eat of this tree, you will surely be like him. You could surely be like a God. And I just want you to know before we dive too far into this, be careful with the questions you're asked because you may spend a lot of your life searching for an answer to only find out it wasn't worth chasing. So with that being said, I wrote down some questions I received. I just want to give you the real quick biblical answer, and I'm going to give you a scripture because I don't want to spend a ton of time on some of this stuff because of where we're going today. One of the questions that was asked is, when is Jesus coming back? And I want you to know that there's a very, very major concept. It's actually in Matthew, Matthew chapter 26. It is verse 36, and let me just read it for you extremely quickly because I think it'll help you understand. Matthew chapter 24, sorry, Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. But concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the sun, but the Father only. What does that mean? That means that you're asking a question that scripture has plainly told you, nobody's going to know this. You know what I know? I know without a shadow of a doubt that God's word does talk about his coming back. He talks about if I go to prepare a place for you, how much more will I come back to receive you? I can go over to 2 Thessalonians. And he has a little bit of concept there talking about this millennial reign. I can go over to different things as far as different aspects all throughout the New Testament, the Old Testament. And it talks about God's coming back. But you know what I also can do? I can rest in knowing that I don't have to know how it ends as far as the time. I just got to make sure that I know that it's going to end. And it brought up this concept for me. Why are we really so consumed with knowing when Jesus is coming back? You knowing the date, would that make you feel any more faithful or any more, like, secure? Or maybe, just maybe, now I'm not talking to you guys, I'm talking to me. You told me the day that he's coming back, I'd be the most dangerous person in the world. I'd be like, I'm going to do whatever in the world I want to do. Why? Because I know that on this day, I will hit my knees, I will pray to my God, and I will repent, and I will be good. And I think sometimes that's what we're more intrigued with, right? It's not that we really wanna know when Jesus is coming back as much as we wanna know how long do I have to eventually make this thing right? Like I know there's things in my life that I should be doing. I know there's pursuits I should be having. There's obediences that he's called me to and one day I'm gonna to get to that, but it's just not today. Like a baby step, still a step, Pastor, amen. That's called moving forward. But I think that, that God knows and the reason why the scripture is there talking about in times that he doesn't want anybody to know when the end date is. For one simple purpose. Because you would abuse it. You say, "Prove it." I don't know if anybody in this room that if you'd have known the Braves are going to be in the World Series, that you wouldn't have made a whole lot of money at the beginning of the season. Like it's, back to the future too, right? He stole the, the almanac. That gave all the answers. And next thing you know, this guy changes his life because he has knowledge and knowledge came power and he leveraged it what? For his own needs. Another question that was asked about eschatology I'm just hitting these real quick if you don't mind. Is there a rapture? Just so you'll know, the word rapture is not mentioned anywhere in God's word. But you also need to know that we can read God's word and get different biblical principles, even though the word verbatim is not there. If you want to do a little bit of study on your own time, you can look at Matthew chapter 24, verses 40 through 42, which is talking about somebody's in the field and one will be drawn up. One, Two ladies are at the meal and one will be drawn up. The aspect of the rapture is very much real and it's going to be there. But the word rapture verbatim is a word that we have used in theology world to help the describe or define what it means when the trumpet sounds and the clouds break and he calls his people home the other people people ask about is what about this millennial reign what about these different things and you can go to second thessalonians chapter two. Second thessalonians chapter two just write those two things down and then you go on your own time and read those things and you'll get a whole lot of answers but here's what i want you to know remember the questions you ask will determine the answers that you seek so when it comes to eschatology or the study of end times, I want to tell you that the answer you're looking for is a better question. Like the answer to when Jesus is coming back is is the church. Is it going to be post, pre, or all millennialist? Are we going to be drawn up before the tribulation or are we going to be after the tribulation? Is this thing just symbolism? You know, a lot of stuff in Revelation is symbolic. And so do I take that? And this meant symbolism, but this I take literal. Or am I po, pre, or, or post millennialist? And what am I as far as tribulation? Am I a post-pre or uh, tribulation? What am I as far as dispensationalist? And all these different words. And you can get so distracted in trying to figure out how it ends that you miss out on what you're doing right now. And so I believe the answer to that question, where does our souls go? Scripture tells us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It is a very simple concept. Well, what about these these bodies are going to rise up? These things are going to take place. Listen to me. You're using an earthly language to describe a heavenly time frame, and we are flawed. But I know it's in God's Word. I know today when I celebrate Brandon Perry that I'm going to be looking. I call him big sex. You say, you shouldn't use that word. Well, I am today and I will use it a lot, because to me, he was big, sexy. And I'm gonna be standing over a casket that holds the corpse of something that was really amazing, but what I loved about that man is not gonna be in that casket. When he took his last, last breath, scripture tells me immediately, when he was absent from that body, he was present with the Lord in heaven. So we're not in this waiting period. We don't have this, you know, Don Quixote, and we're trying to figure out what are we going to do, and how are we going to get through this journey, and I need to go light these candles and pray they find their way home. No, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. But here's the tough part. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, when you pass on, you're absent from that body, but you will not be present with the Lord. See, here's the answer. Are you ready? The answer to end times is really one better question. Are you ready? Can I read for you? Can I read for you, please? Luke, Luke chapter 12. The first few scriptures, you'll see these on the screen. Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 40. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. He's literally talking about end times and Jesus coming back. And he's using it as a parable, talking about a master who's left all that he owns, but he's left it into the, the people that were his loved ones, his servants. That would be us, the church. And I keep going, and he says, "They come to prepare a wedding feast, so that may they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks." Listen to these words: Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table. And he will come and serve them. If he comes in second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. See, our American culture creates this concept that we believe that knowledge is power. But can I tell you something that trumps your knowledge? Faith. When it comes to second coming and Christ coming back, I know he is. Without a, How close are we? Closer now than we were yesterday. Well, I look at all this stuff, it's like we've had these birth pains. Do you know they thought the same thing when the war Wars were going on? Can you imagine what happened during the Great Depression? I lived the amazing 1988 where this guy who had predicted all this stuff wrote this book called The 88 Reasons the Rapture Would Take Place in 88. They had it kind of honed down to September of 1988. Every church in the southeast was packed. And it came, and it went, and God was still on his throne. And then Y2K, I was that guy. I wish I could have found a switch to the power grid. I mean, just for giggles, just like, bloop, ho, you know? Have you ever realized there's always somebody that thinks they have it figured out, but yet every day we wake up? And here's what's scary. You let me to tell you what it's setting you and me up for. It's the oldest nursery rhyme that most of us remember. It's the story of the boy who cried wolf. He keeps saying wolf, wolf, and everybody runs out. Oh my gosh, what's going on? And all of a sudden, there's nothing. And he had this little phrase how he'd watch the sheep, and, and his people said, now, if there's a wolf come, you cry out. And just for giggles, he'd get bored and go, wolf, 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 they come running out, oh my gosh, what i just kidding. And then all of a sudden, one day, the wolf came to steal, kill, and destroy. And the boy cried out, wolf, but nobody came. You know why? Because they'd become desensitized and not thinking it was really ever going to happen. I just described how most churches are handling end times and if we keep crying wolf without it ever happening there's going to be a group of people out there that finally say you know what i don't believe you and you know what's going to be sad the trumpet's going to sound the clouds are going to break and he's going to come back and we're going to yell wolf 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 and they're going to be like nah been there done that and it's too late see here's the way scripture puts it it's it's the last of this story it's it's verse uh, it's right here. It's 40B, 48B to be exact. And it says this, everyone to whom much has given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand more. hey, did a phenomenal job sharing her heart. And I'm so proud of her because that may not be as easy as it looked to you guys. But here's the bottom line. Can I tell you something about end times? God not only wants you to be ready, but he wants you to live a life that helps other people be ready. And he's less concerned with you knowing because scripture told us ain't nobody gonna know. Not even the angels know. Not even the son of God, Jesus Christ does not know. The only person that knows is Yahweh the father, this trinity three in one. He's not telling nobody, but you're like, oh, but I'm going to figure this out. Really? Like, nobody, I wonder if the angels are up there going, you know, there's a lot of us to do here in heaven, but, you know, we need to figure out this end times thing. Like, I've been reading the tea leaves, and, you know, you have this this climate that's changing, you have these different destructions, and, boy, I think we're really close. I wonder if that's what they're really thinking about Or is it one of those things they go, you know what, here's what I know. God has been faithful in the past. Look at all these things. He's going to call his people home. I'm just going to be ready. So when the trumpet sounds, I'm ready to go. Well, you say, well, Mickey, how how do I know if I'm ready? I want to read you Matthew. You're not going to see this on the screen, but I want to read for you one way that you can know you're ready. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 and 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and perform many miracles? Then I, this is Jesus speaking, will say to them plainly, depart from me, I never knew you. If you want to me to tell you what I think about end times I'm going to tell you very quickly and this is not me dumbing it down if you want to go have a major theological debate about whether you're pre post, or ah, millennialist, well I'm a pre millennialist dispensation I can talk about all of it let's go we'll go sit down we'll have a ball but not to the detriment of whether or not you're ready when I read that scripture one thought drops in my head every time God is more concerned about your intimacy with him than he is your activity for him he is consumed with knowing you. Do you know why our first step in our vision is we want to be a life-giving church that helps people know God? Because of this scripture. We don't want you to get to the end and been sold a bill of goods. Well, but I was a part of the local church and I did this and I gave and I supported St. Jude and I helped people with need at Thanksgiving. God says, you know, what? that's all activity and those are amazing and we want you to love people but we want you to know and love God first. So if intimacy trumps my activity, then that brings up the second question, right? Well, Mickey, I'm glad you told me that because by golly, I got a camper, and I got a boat, and I got season tickets, and the leisure. Like, I am so glad I'm leaving here with so much freedom today because you just told me I don't have to be at church. Because God's not worried about my activity. He's worried about my ancestry. And let me tell you something, Pastor. Boy, I can worship Jesus on the golf course like anybody else. No, you can't. I played golf with you. You can't do that. You throw clubs. You cuss. You, like, don't lie to me. If you can worship Jesus during your golf game, you're a lot better man than me. Because, I mean, I'll be honest with you you, you, you need to work on your golf game. I can worship him out on here in this bass boat. Look, I'm not here to debate that. I'm being a little bit facetious, but let me just be honest with you. To answer that question very plainly, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and not be active in church. Now, I know that's not the answer you were expecting, but I'm not going to be the guy that cries wolf. I will always be biblically grounded in everything we speak. Yes, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, and you can be ready no matter when your time called home is, without being active in church. But can I give you a better question? Again, the answer is a better question. But why would you? I could be married to my wife and not really spend that much time with her. But why would I? Why would I take the King of King and Lord of Lords, whose whole major vehicle to help me get better, to help me move forward, is to get with other people? Church is not some building that I go to. It's not some, oh, well, we're at church right now. No, the reality is, is the church is just gathered. You're not at church, okay? That, that's the wrong philosophy. Right now, you're not at church. You just don't happen to be where the church has gathered. You are at a gathering of the church, you are the church. And here's my philosophy. I've used this on a regular basis. I will pick on Keeley down here, this amazing, lovely, beautiful lady. And she came up to me and she said, Boy, Pastor Mickey, I have so much fun hanging out with Addie. I want to hang out over at your house. I love how Addie stays the night and all this different stuff. But, you know, I have one issue. Like, as much as I love you, Amy Lou, she drives me crazy. Is it? Can I have a relationship with you without having a, a relationship with Amy? Can I make this very clear? No. There is no way that the number one priority on this earth, my wife, that I can have a relationship with someone or something and them not accept who's number one in my life being my wife. Well, yeah, but she drives me crazy. You know, she just kind of got that temper and has a tendency to use some language. And listen, you know her better than me, evidently. I'll pay for that later. It's a real good day for all of them to go to Dollywood. But the reality is, is you're fooling yourself. If you think you can have a relationship with me and not have a relationship with my other half, because the two became one, would you agree with that statement? If you agree with that statement, raise your hand. Sweet. Sweet. We're all passing the quiz. And Jesus called the church his bride. You're fooling yourself. If you think you can go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I love you. boy. I, I, I saw this shirt. I've been going to all these craft fairs. I love craft fairs. Please don't let that get out. Luckily, we're not recording all this. I will edit that part. But I do. I love them. You say, Why? Because they got food. It's awesome. But it's one of those things that all these, and I see all these different shirts, and one of the shirts I've seen a lot is, I love God, but some of his people drive me crazy. And you say, what'd you do with that? I actually got it on right now, I'm kidding. (laughs) Can we get brutally honest? You don't have an issue with God, and you don't have an issue with his church. But unfortunately for most of us in this room, We have let one, two, three, four, five, ten situations of godly people acting ungodly warp what we think about God's church. You say, Pastor, how do you handle that? Look at me. I'm sorry. You're right. And I can't promise you that every single person in this room, though I love them and respect them and think they're amazing, that it's going to be butterflies and rainbows. But I can promise you this. We'll do what we can to get better. But you allowing your past to dictate your future and what God's called you to you're still letting those people win. And I know for some of you, you can't get away from them because you live with them. Listen to me, I'm sorry, but I promise if you wanna know Jesus, know God more, you're gonna get with some people that have the same values and God calls that his church. In fact, I'll give you a couple of scriptures. Are you ready? The first scripture that I want to give you is so good. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 5. This is actually a different translation, but I love the way it reads. Listen to this. Now, God gives us many kinds of special abilities, and there are different kinds of services of God or ministry. All of you together are the one body of Christ, each of you in its own separate. And listen to these words. Necessary part of it. It's underlined. Let me put this in very plain English. I'm fixing to blow some of your minds. Are you ready for this? Not only are you a major part of Crossroads Community Church, I believe you're necessary. Like getting past those hurts, getting past those struggles. Well, do I have to really go to church? I mean, I I can worship Jesus out in the woods. I can worship Jesus out on the golf course. I can worship Jesus out in the lake. I can worship Jesus down at the beach. I can worship Jesus on vacation. I can worship. Listen to me. You're asking the wrong question right there. You could. But what you're telling everybody in this room is you don't care about making them better. You're only worried about yourself being better. See, this scripture tells me not only are you a major part in your role that you do, but you're a necessary of it. Do you know why we don't believe there's any separation from the stage to the seat? Like we literally talk about how every person that comes to Crossroads is its own minister. Every person that comes has a calling on their life. Every person. We want to help you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and then we will leverage all of our resources, all of our influences to empower yours because we want to see you go make a difference. You say, why? Because you're a necessary part of this thing called God's church at Crossroads Community Church. Now, some of you are like, whew, I'm visiting for the first time. Wow, I got out of this one. For just a second, I thought he was talking to me. Can I tell you something? Not trying to be awkward. Welcome home. God's heard your prayers, He knows you've been searching. And I just want to speak on his behalf. Welcome home. We look forward to falling in love with you and seeing everything that God's going to do in and through you and in and through us. You say, well, okay, well, what am I going to do then? Well, rather than me talk, let me read another scripture. Is that cool? Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. So what are we going to do? If we're a necessary part of it, what am I going to do? Listen to me. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Yes, that word day is referring back to the second coming of Christ. Yes, it goes back to the rapture. Yes, it goes back to end times. Yes, it goes back to are you ready and what are you doing to be ready and what are you doing to help others be ready? Like, I love to cook. And the reason why is because I actually love to eat. And so because I like to eat, I realize I gotta learn how to cook. And I like to especially barbecue. And I like to have different sauces. And one of the things I've learned with smoking different meats is, is that you can't let those sauces sit too long because it just everything starts settling at the bottom. And so what you do is you you wanna take something, whether it's a mop sauce or whether it's a spoon or but like before you always apply it, what you wanna do is you wanna take just a moment and you wanna just you wanna stir it up. Like, you don't want to taste just one thing. You want to taste all of it together. So when you're, you're mopping that stuff over the, the pork or the chicken or, or whether you're, you're putting some barbecue sauce at the end because you don't want to do it too early because the sugar will caramelize and it'll burn, that's some of you guys' issues, or whatever it may be that you're doing, you want to stir it up. And God says, you know what I want you to do? I want you to feel empowered because I've called you. I want you to get in there, and I want you to stir it up. I want you to add yourself into those ingredients. I want you to stir it up to go see what we can do to do good works and love people well. So could you go through this whole life and love Jesus and not go to church? You sure could. And you'd be one of the selfish people I've ever met. Or you can take your hurt, you can take your pain, you can take your mountaintops and your valleys. And you say, God, I don't always understand why this is like this, but here's what I will do. I'm going to jump right in the middle of this thing called Crossroads Community Church. and I'm going to put a big old flop right in the middle of their sauce. And I'm going to stir this thing up. And wow, that's a secret sauce. But we don't get there without you. So today, here's all I want you to know. Quit worrying about how it's going to end. Because you're spending too much time searching searching for an answer that really doesn't matter. Don't mishear me. Study God's word. Figure these things out. Go listen to 50 million different people who have 50 million different books. that can tell you about how it's all going to end. And at the end of it, it's all speculation. But the reality is dive into the fact that, number one, are you ready? And then number two, quit asking if you can be a Christian and not go to church. Because the reality is you can. But again, why would you? I can be a dad without being around my kids. Why would I do that? I can be married without being around my wife, but why would I do that? I could live in Cleveland and Bradley County without being a part of my community. Why would I do that? Why would you not be involved where God planted you? Why would you not be involved in making things better? Why would you not get involved and say, you know what? I don't have a whole lot to offer, but what I do have, here you go. And watch God use you in an amazing way. I'm fired up about next week. We're going to have so much fun at the movies. I need some of you to go ahead and put that little legalistic Pharisee in the back of your mind. Well, how are we going to do this? I know in that movie, there, there was a four-letter word. I can't believe he used that movie. Please stop. I'm not going to use any poor language. I'm not going to show anything that's inappropriate. Me and my wife, have, we don't go to R-rated movies. We're 47 years old. And they're going to, why? Because that's not the stuff we put in our, but can you do me a favor? Like, just, just take that, just put him in the, just quit. And show up and get ready to have a ball over the next few weeks because here's the key. Listen to me. You know what my number one goal is between now and the end of Christmas? To help you bring the best self to this dance. You know why? Because you're a necessary part of it. We're better with you in this town. We're best when you love God and you love people at this church. So can I just end the message with a little bit of gratitude? Thank you. I have people come up to me all the time saying, oh, Pastor, you, Brandon Perry, you know, oh, you don't understand, you you were so influential, you changed his life. Listen to me, ain't nobody changing your life. I'm not changing your life, but thank you for changing mine. Me and Amy Lou, on a regular basis, talk about how much fun it is to be the pastors of Crossroads Community Church. I keep waiting to wake up and for all this just to be a dream. And every day I get up and I take a breath and I still see your faces and I still go get to do the things you call me to do. I go, wow, like if I wake up too many more days, I'm actually gonna think this is real. Like this is crazy. And will you do me a favor? Ask yourself what answers are you really searching for? And are those the right things you're seeking? And if not, change the question. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.